And then I punched the bartender in the face. What's going on, everybody? This is the Cover Band Confidential Podcast, the podcast for cover band musicians and band leaders to learn how to rock more and suck less. In Atlanta, Georgia, I'm Adam Johnson. In Greensboro, North Carolina, I'm Dan Wright. Believe it or not, that is actually something that occurred at <laughs> this gig that we did this past weekend. Wow, all right. We're wrapping up the year uh, on, on a high note, we'll say. I'm eager to hear so, this story. Yeah, so you know, we had kind of jumped into this last week where I was kind of worried because we were getting last minute requests and the communication was getting very specific. And I, I was starting to worry that this was going to be uh, a bit of a, a difficult situation. And the interesting thing was once my contact showed up, everything was like super chill. You're like, oh yeah, bump it back 10 minutes. It doesn't matter. Oh, we got to do a, a toast, you know, just hang out. We'll get it back up in just a, just a bit. They were super like go up the flow, yeah. which was very counter to what we had experienced up to that point. The other thing that was interesting about this room is that we were in like the smallest of confines. As a five-piece band, I don't think we could have been any closer together. I had posted a joke about, hey, which guitar should I play? You know, I had my PRS and the the Strat. I had to play the Steinberger because there was no other room. <laughs> for, yeah, for space reasons. That's uh, <laughs> That's funny. And I ended up running sound and short of one song where like my guitar went out of tune and I kind of flipped out trying to get it to work and I didn't lift Amber's fader back up for one of her songs. It it was totally fine. Cool. It's sometimes that can be a lot, but um yeah, everything worked out great. But I, I think this was the perfect gig to kind of wrap the the year up. Gigs have been kind of challenging. This one was low stress once we got there. It was less than a mile from our house. And it was at one of my favorite restaurants. And let me tell you. Being able to go into your favorite restaurant where the bar is covered and you, the food is covered nice. is pretty great. Yeah. So was it my best playing night? Probably not. Was it a good vocal night? Yeah, it was okay. But did I eat so much prosciutto that by the final <laughs> bite, I had to spit it back out into a napkin? Wow. Yes. That's And that yeah. is now the benchmark for all future private events. Yeah. And that's how you know you've got prosciutto overload. There you go. But we didn't get to the punching the bartender. Mm, that's right. So the crew at this restaurant is incredible. And we had an all-female bar staff. And there was this one particular bartender who I can only describe as like a chaos goblin. <laughs> she was just, she was in the mix and she was talking trash and she was just like so much fun from the drop. So I, I kind of already alluded to this. They did a champagne toast. And so they had all of these flutes on you know the little round yeah. platters yeah. that are going around and i was standing at the bar having a conversation with one of the folks that works there and my chaos goblin bartender friend is walking around and she apparently was making because she told me the story after this she was making fun of somebody for saying that their favorite vegetable was corn <laughs> and so she was talking giving him a really hard time she then proceeded to drop the platter of champagne flutes yeah. and they you know spilled everywhere and broke a bunch of glasses and on her way back to the bar as i'm having this conversation with another person i put my hand out to like gesture to tell a story yeah. and like she ran right into it so. <sighs> but she was like i think that was the universe correcting my bad behavior mm. so yeah every time she brought it up the details got more and more outrageous uh -huh. so yeah it got to the point where literally I, I walked into the building and just squarely punched Dexter, her in the face, which yeah. did not happen. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was a good time. That's good. Very good. Well, I what had you? I had two back-to-back -back corporate uh, acoustic shows um, this last week. Wednesday was uh, yep. 
a trivia gig for an interior design company that I have done that for before, not last year, but the year before. They were bonkers when I did it before, and this was off the hook. They've the company has grown by about a hundred percent, so basically twice the number of people in the in the space. And it was in the third floor of this bar venue that most of the third floor is is rooftop. But it was cold. So we were in the inside right. bar part of that, which was pretty small. And it was like 20 people, about two-thirds of whom were super invested in winning this game very competitively with loud percussion mm-hmm. instruments in their hands. And um, the first thing I did, because I, I was set up a fair away, fair distance away from as they were having you know dinner and, and drinks and whatnot. And, and I um, – I invited them to move their teams closer to me as the game started. And then before I knew it, they were in my face. Every one of them, I'd start playing a song and like a chord in, I had four hand percussion instruments at full volume, 10 feet from me, five feet from me, something. They encroached more. And and my Apple Watch <laughs> the whole night was like, oh my God, dude, you're going deaf. Like the whole night, the whole night, it's screaming so at me the whole night. <laughs> and I did walk out of there with my whole head ringing, but it was a ton of fun and they paid great. And when I talked with the boss who wants to do, they have a, a, a summer party at her pool that she wants to mm-hmm. add this game to because all everybody nice. loved it and they were all excited. So I'm now likely a, two, a twice a year, twice a year guy with those cool. guys. So that'll be fun. Thursday night was a corporate event, a Christmas party for a software company referred by a patron, Patreon and buddy Adam Daffron from the band Savvy. He used to work for them and then moved away. And then um, yeah. I guess they had somebody fall out and cancel. And so they reached out to him because they knew he was connected and he hooked me up with it. And um, it's interesting. Company makes software for chicken Farms, yeah, manages chickens, and so to this, the world takes all kinds. It turns out, I think our drummer works in that industry also. Oh, all right, like my my guy. There you go, there you go. Well, yeah. it's a thing, and so um, it was a wallpaper gig. I was very dialed back and and very quiet, but I got to play. You know, because people were only half listening, I got to play the weird stuff. I did. She blinded me with science acoustic, which is nice. one of my favorites to put on acoustic guitar. Super fun. And then it, you know, like your gig, it was very free flowing. Very, you know, hey, can you play a couple more? Like, mm-hmm. buddy, I can play 200 more. Don't, don't get there me started. <laughs> you know, not a problem. Um, you know, you have me for the night. I'm not charging by the note. So that was fun and got to meet the leadership there. And and he, the boss of it, wants to use me for some other stuff too. So good networking and, you know, business growth in, in both places. So fun awesome. times. Those, and those are my gigs for the, for, the, for the year. We're all wrepped up through the end of the year. Well, it's funny. You were talking about songs you don't normally play. We, yeah. we actually added a song that we have never done before. I had alluded to it last week that we, you know, I wanted to kind of call some audibles, you know, get a bit loose in rehearsal just to kind of get the juices flowing. Yeah. And um, so we added Style by Taylor Swift. Right. And we added a few more that didn't end up making the the set because... Like I said, things were kind of fluid and we we ran out of time before we ran out of music. But we did we did Valerie, kind of a mix between the Zootons version and the Amy Winehouse version. Yeah. A little little a little bit of both. And then uh Gimme One Reason, nice. just because it's three chords and and you know. And girls dance to it. So uh that was fun and and I think style will definitely make the the normal list, even for the eighties band, because it's basically an eighties song. Yeah. And we've kind of we've been kind of loosey goosey with the definition of what we play. Because we 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 used to do "Shut Up and Dance with Me" by Walk the Moon. Yep. Because it's basically an eighty song. Basically. So basically, yeah. do you um for so for the for style? Did you track it? Yeah. 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 It had it had the uh, the that synth bass and, is really important. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. For sure. You know, it sounded awesome, and we sound checked with it, and like the bar t- again, all female bar staff, they were like, "Ooh, I think we're gonna have a good time tonight." So <laughs> good. It was, we definitely set the tone correctly. That's a, that, uh, that's a, that's a thing. I have had times where I, I picked a soundcheck song strategically. So yeah. Very cool. Co- beans. Very cool. 
All right. So now we got to go and do the next part of the show, which I'm starting to feel like we need to like make bumpers for each of yeah. these. Do-do-do, do-do-do, I don't know. Do-do-do, do-do-do, something. Review. All right. That's it. <laughs> there you go. Diddly. Maybe I'll maybe I'll spruce it up. Maybe I won't. Diddle do review. There we go. This one comes from K.A. Smith 81. Five stars on Apple Podcast. Witty and helpful. Dan and Adam. Top billing again. Your stock is rising. Look. Dan and Adam want to see their listeners succeed at whatever level they play the cover band game at. If cover band life is your hobby or profession, this show has something for you. So big thanks to K.A. Smith for yeah, the words. Yeah, I appreciate it. If you'd like to hear your name mentioned on the pod, leave us a review. We're slowly dwindling away at our, our surplus, and we, uh, we're, we want to hold on to, one, being able to week, do the weekly reviews, and also our title as the highest rated cover band podcast in the world. In the world. Yeah. Globally. So do it to it. <clears throat> Big thanks to everybody who entered the contest. I have not heard from Rock's talk about when they're announcing the winner, but uh, definitely saw some bumps on all of our socials uh because it was a part of entering the contest was following different social accounts so big thanks to everybody for doing that and um hopefully one of our listeners will get a uh a bright switch for for the holidays yeah. so good stuff so this week's topic came in through email and it was something that initially i was a little hesitant to get into because i wasn't entirely sure it was asked in good faith so mm. i read through it a couple of times i sent it to dan said hey uh what are your thoughts about this and i was like i think you know we should we should get into it so this was an email sent in on our website via the uh just the contact page from a guy named brian who found us based on the youtube algorithm apparently somebody or some other video recommended our video at the end of it and the question that he had, we'll go and read the whole thing out. And I think we can kind of just dig into it after that. Uh, his question is, why do the cover band thing when you could have an original band? Genuinely curious. I've been in a few cover bands, but hated spending my time learning other people's music. I'm very creative and always coming up with new ideas for songs. I want to be in an original band, but most people just want to do the cover band thing. Is creativity really that hard to come by? That time spending learning other people's music is time not spent creating new music. Just looking for some insight, trying to understand it, and not trying to be negative towards the cover band thing. I just find it hard to believe so many people are content to only play covers. Thanks. Yeah. So, first off, <clears throat> I think that's a great that's a great topic. Me great too. Me series too. Of questions. And, and like you, it took me a couple of reads through to like get the just the cleanness of the question, and not that it was like a, a dig of some sort. I've, I'm I'm not sure. I mean, we've always referred to this like cover band versus original band sort of friction on the podcast but i'm not sure we've ever, ever really like addressed Got the it. why of it and that's yeah cool like i really i really appreciate this question so brian if you you know persist in listening to us really thanks <laughs> really thanks and i think it seems to me that this is also kind of coming from a place of frustration yep where this is a person who who wants to put something together and is maybe challenged to find like-minded individuals to yes. you know go with them on that journey right which is uh, absolutely yeah. not exclusive to the original <laughs> band world. That's true. <laughs> yeah. So but, there are some universals here for sure. Yeah. But I definitely get the frustration of like, if what calls to you is to create from scratch and put your creation out in the world and you can't find partners that are up for that or down, you know, up for the work that that takes, then yeah, I completely get how it would seem like, you know, I don't understand why, what's the value of this thing that they want to do versus what I want to do. Right. I mean, 
we've all been in different scenarios where uh, we've pursued original music. I, I mean, I did it for a, a very large chunk of my adult life and, and really enjoyed the process of creating music and performing music with, with a band. Yep. It's a lot of fun. It can also be a lot of work. It's actually an insane amount of work. Yeah. And at some point, you, you kind of come to the, the point of, is the amount of time that I'm dedicating to this thing paying off in any other way other than my own creative juices being squeezed? I, I, I'm not squeezed. No, I like it. The, the yeah. juice is being squeezed. Let's go with it. I'm, yes, I'm, I'm, good. I'm, I'm, I'm good with that as the metaphor. That's fine. We're working through the metaphor. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. Yeah. But I, I think that at some point, a lot of us realize like I have a marketable skill and that skill is my instrument or my voice or whatever. And I would like to have something to show for those skills that I've acquired that isn't necessarily just creative satisfaction. Yeah. And they, they're looking for something monetarily. And I'm, I'm kind of leading towards a particular point. And I think the, the main thrust, the main thing that is separating these two types of people is people who love creating versus people who love performing, because those are not the same thing. Right. And I would say there have definitely been more points of frustration in the creative process especially when you are doing that creative process in a group of people because everybody's idea is the most important idea. And then there's the politics of whose idea gets to be the idea when you're, when you're making stuff, you're, you're recording a song, you're writing stuff. So I think there's a bit of that, that some people are just not interested in, in dealing with. Yeah. Or the, or if you're going to do the, sort of benevolent dictator thing, which is a phenomenon of both types of bands. You know, you're going to be sure. the idea person, the creator, the arranger, the part giver outer, you know, and then you got to find people who are game for the project of implementing your vision. Right. Distinct from collaborating together to songwrite, which is a, you know, those, those are two very distinct things, a songwriter with a band versus, right. you know, you know, be Paul, find John, like good luck. Well, and also kind of like from the benevolent dictator part, if you're the person who is the creative locomotive for this project, then you're hiring people to play your parts. Right. Shockingly, that's the exact same work that uh, we're doing in cover bands. Exactly. I mean, that's always been my my idea is like the type of musician who listens to us is the type of person who knows the ins and outs of the work, which is onboarding someone else's material and replicating it for money. And that happens at every level of the musician world. Right. So it's not necessarily just those of us playing Mustang Sally on the weekends. <laughs> right. It's the same. The same work is happening for folks who are touring with big time artists. And yeah, it's it's the same thing yeah. as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, the exception might be if you are the big time artist, if you are the songwriter and creator and generator. And even then, the discipline of performing it is very different from the discipline of creating it, yep. which is also different from the discipline of recording it. Right. These are all very, mm -hmm. very distinct things that if you're going to be in the original music world, you, you gotta, you gotta find sort of where your skills fall. You know, there are, there are artists who are great, you know, in the studio and have no interest in being on stage. Yep. That is a thing. So you got to find your own niche. And I think, I think importantly, you know, you use the word or talked about how it, how our skills pay off for us. And I think it's really important to say whether that payoff is financial or in terms of 
liters of creative juice. Um, mm-hmm. but both of those are valid things to want and it's okay for different people to want different things. Um, right. So the, the first sort of like, I can't believe people would want to do covers. Well, guess what they do. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's the thing. And it's because their orientation around what pays them. And I don't just mean financially. I kind of also mean in their soul is different from, from yours. And, and that's, mm-hmm. it can be hard to get over that fence and into their shoes to other new metaphors to understand what is a driver satisfaction for them. But the clear observable fact is that, that it's different. And I coming at this from a different angle, I am no longer interested in commodifying my creative music output yeah. as a product, because at the end of the day, if your goal is to go somewhere with your original music, you have to reconcile the intersection of art and commerce. Yeah. And that can be its own unique pain in the butt. I see on social media, all of these these musicians who have made their entire online presence this one thing. Mm-hmm. And it's so much static. It's all this noise on social is honestly kind of easy to ignore. And the idea of having to go that route is exhausting. Just sounds <laughs> yeah. like an uphill battle that I am not remotely interested in pursuing anymore. Right. I like the fact that, you know, we can talk about whatever we want to talk about that's kind of in this umbrella of playing music that I feel like a lot of these these folks can't do. They have to kind of stay in a particular lane. They've got to do certain things because ultimately they're trying to sell you this, whatever it is, it's the song or the EP or the whatever. Right. And I would just rather sit down here and make fun noises for myself for maybe a bumper for the show. Like every, every piece of music with the exception of Schulte's outro is something that I made at one point or another, right. just, just for fun. Right. And I'm not, I'm not interested in, in the concept of selling that, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like we're selling you guys in, enough between <laughs> That's right. the contracts and the templates and, uh, Hey, by the way, I just, I just released an ebook. So there you go. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a lot. And uh, music is just not one of the things that I'm interested in, in commodifying anymore. Yeah, I have, I've, so the two, two other thoughts that I have about this, um, the okay. first is that it kind of, it kind of goes back to what, what feeds my what pays me off, what makes, what makes it worthwhile for me. Mm-hmm. I've been in original bands. My first band when I was in high school was an original band. We wrote a bunch of really yeah. bad stuff and played it badly. Same. It was super fun. Mixed in with covers. Uh, Cause that's how you fill out a show when you're a high mm-hmm. school original band. So I've done a bunch of that and I've written, I've written a lot of things since then. It's not like I, I can't do that, but at this point in my performing life, what feeds me is crowd connection, right? What feeds me is like, the interaction with people and the 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 way that I'm I, I can be a focal point for the energy of the room and the way I can you know drive the party and, and all like that and there's no faster way to crowd connection than playing the first few bars of a song that you loved when you were 19 and haven't heard in 20 years yeah right that's like that is the bullseye for that and that moment you know it well Adam when that you mm-hmm. you start a song and the whole room goes oh like I can't, oh, I can't believe they're playing you know that that moment is so delicious and and um yeah. I compare that with a written original artist who has the first verse and chorus of something the audience has never heard before to win them over or it's done 
and the audience mm-hmm. is like picking and choosing whether they're into this or not and they can't all be winners. And, you know, you and I can put together a set list that we know is all going to be winners. Every single song yeah. is going to be a banger. There would be no, no breath to go to the bar. Now that violates my rules of set list design, but still. Well, and, and you made a really good point is that you've got like a verse and a chorus to convince people, yeah. but that's just for the first song. Yeah. You have to do that every, every single every song, every song, yeah, over and over that's again. Right. Yeah, wow, that's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. Yeah, but and it's also putting your audience through a lot of work. And uh-huh. I, there's a lot of commentary out there about the live music scene in in whatever city you're in. Like some people, are like oh, people just want to hear covers. They don't want to hear original music. And it does take a certain kind of person with a certain kind of personality to want to consume new music yep. especially by unestablished artists right. it's something that you know i think the fandom part of it has to do with wanting to feel like you're a part of a community or that you you have something precious that other people don't have yeah. and at some point maybe people grow out of that some people don't we have you know folks that are in the clubs all the time like wanting to to find new artists but it, it's a lot it's a lot to put people through and some folks just want to be entertained and they want to be entertained by something that's familiar. Yeah. The, so, the masses of people who are out on a Saturday night for a good time, the, the background noise they expect for that is covers, is songs they know. And so just in terms of market, cover bands have a vastly bigger market and that's correspondingly that shows up in the pay. Yeah. <laughs> Original bands don't get paid. Yeah. I mean, if, if you're doing it because you love it, by all means, uh-huh. you should pursue whatever that is. So if it's writing original music, it's writing original music. Just note that the economics don't really check out. You know, one of my first viral videos was a pretty succinct explanation as why bands are no longer a viable business model in the music industry. You're going to be doing a lot of this by yourself. Yep. And like you said, you the the likelihood of finding another creative partner that you vibe with that you can create incredible music with is 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 hard yep. it's it's very the likelihood is small and if you find them by all means go go forth and and do that and um i'm not saying at some point i may decide i want to write record and release something i just don't have the desire or the time to do that right now yeah it, in this particular season of my life 100 so, I'm, yeah i'm right with you I, I have really no interest in it at all right now not that i wouldn't have the capacity or the maybe the interest in it in the future but right now yeah. I'm perfectly content chasing that neon rainbow and living that honky tonk dream. <laughs> there you go. I have one last point to make, which is Please. this. The work it takes to an adapt to adapt a cover song to your band and your instrumentation is absolutely an act of creativity. How mm-hmm. you take that song, how you implement it, the tweaks you make to it, how you medley it together with something else or even just fit it into a, a, a set list, absolutely an act of creativity. So I think a lot of people... Uh, you know, and even Brian, you know, you, why would you do all that when you could spend that time being creative? Well, the creativity that goes into that is actually not small <laughs> at all. Uh, and if you listen to bands that have um, that taken the the valid choice of really making covers their own, it's as much work to produce that sort of thing and to arrange that sort of thing as it is to put together, you know, a fully formed song concept that hasn't been recorded before. It's the same same work. So mm-hmm. there is creativity there that that may not look like creativity, but it, but it really deeply is. Right. And, and I think I found over the course of my music career that 
I get creative fulfillment from a lot of things that I did not allow myself to do mm. when I was just trying to specifically be the guy who played guitar in the band. Yeah. This podcast, making videos, writing blog posts, like I really enjoy doing all of those things. And th th I have found lots of different ways to fulfill myself creatively outside of writing music. And I don't feel like I'm any worse off for it. I, I, right. I, I kind of like the diversity of it because I'm not like doing the same thing over and over again. I mean, geez, of uh, graphic design, video editing, uh, <laughs> yeah. lighting, just like all yeah. the crap I've had to learn to build this, whatever it is, has been a really fulfilling challenge to to go through. So I think creativity fulfillment is a, a, a absolutely honorable pursuit, but sometimes uh, you want to open, open your mind a little bit to other possibilities. Exactly. Because that creativity, that, that scratch is going to get itched. Uh, one way or another. So there it may just not be through writing songs. But uh, I, I did email Brian and let him know that this was going to be the topic Great. of uh, of the conversation Good. and that I'd send him links and stuff. So sincerely, Brian, thank you for, for asking. Uh, and I really, yeah, this was this was a, a great exercise to kind of go through and, and I, I mean, it feels like a manifesto at this point. Like, yeah, like maybe 300 episodes overdue. <laughs> We may have wanted to start with this yeah, one. I don't know really. if we, at least, <laughs> at, at least the microphones are working on, there on you these. Go. Yeah. Well, so here's hoping. We got that going for us. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, big thanks to Brian for reaching out. If you have a particular question or topic or whatever you want us to discuss, you can go to coverbandconfidential.com and uh, fill out the form. This was one of those great things that kind of fell in our lap. and We got to have a great conversation uh, without having to necessarily think about it too hard. So big thanks to everybody for contributing to the show. That's going to do it for this week. Uh, if you would like to support us, you can do any of the things that Mike's about to tell you, but I'll go ahead and call it for this week. In Atlanta, Georgia, I'm Adam Johnson. In Greensboro, North Carolina, I'm Dan Ray. You have been listening to the Cover Band Confidential Podcast for the week of December 22nd, 2023. Hey everybody, it's Mike Schulte from the worst name band in America, the Pork Tornadoes. I listen and love this show and apparently you do too because you made it this far. No one makes it this far, but you did, which means that you owe Adam and Dan. This podcast is free and you consume it to its fullest. It's time to pay up. Here's three things you need to do. A, you have to leave them a review on your podcast platform. You're already in the app. Click five stars right now. Write some words. Done. While you're there, share this episode to a fellow musician. There's a share icon on your podcast app. Text it to him and say, you need to listen to this. You need to get better. You're not a good musician. This will help you. Two, you have to follow them on your social media platforms. YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. Go find them and follow. And D, everything I just said is free and it's the least you can do. But here's where you can really support you. Join the Patreon. This is where you can actually support this podcast that you cherish so much. A small monthly donation gets you access to the Slack channel, which is the best place to be if you're a musician who wants to take your band to the next level. You have some of the best musicians giving advice and helping you out, and it's just a great overall community. Do it. I'm serious. Do it now. Do all these things, or else the Pork Tornadoes will come to your town, book a show the same night as your band at a different bar. I'm serious. We'll do it. <laughs>